too many buttons to click. Is that a bug? Bug. You can press my buttons anytime. That's right, baby. Not any. It's not like a giant cockroach dumping on your head, right? Mm-mm. Don't you have a good time? What an interesting way to begin. <laughs> well, yeah. it's it's cogent. Is that the word I'm looking for? Sure. So, guys, I welcome. Let me look up the definition. The, the sultry sounds mean that it's Movie Dummies podcast time. Hey, welcome to the Movie Dummies podcast. Hi. Uh, we're just a show. We talk about movies and TV and bullshit that we're watching. Um, I'm Joe, and with me this week is Shannon. Hello. Angela. Hi. Matt. Howdy. And that's it. Yep. We're dummies. We're dummies. Um, I'm dummy. We're, I think we're all stupid. Why do you well, talk that way? I am. <laughs> so this week what we're going to be talking about is parts two and three of the Fear Street series. The We began watching these movies for the podcast um, uh, last, last week. week? Yeah. <laughs> or it might yeah. be two weeks ago now. We'll see how Probably I... Re- two weeks. We'll see how I release these episodes. Um, <laughs> I pass it differently with TBA. Yeah, that's there you go. Uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about part two, which is Fear Street, nineteen seventy eight. Seventy eight. Then we're gonna take a break, go watch the third one, and come back, and we'll talk about that one because we wanted to go into the third one, having discussed it with each other, but not having seen. In, it's a whole thing. Fucking who cares. I didn't want to watch the third one. No, I, I... Yet. No, 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 no. You don't have to defend yourself. I agreed with you. That's fine. Uh-huh. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm the wife. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read a chunk of this synopsis, and we're going to talk about it. Y'all ready? Okay. I'm ready for this. All right. <clears throat> In 1994, Dina and Josh Johnson restrain Sam, Dina's girlfriend, who is possessed, and travel to see Berman's house for help. Initially reluctant, Berman allows them inside and begins recounting the events of Camp Nightwing Massacre. On July 12, 1978, Ziggy Berman from Shadyside is accused of stealing by Sheila, a Sunnyvale camper, and her friends. They rope her to a tree and begin to burn her before camp counselors Nick Good and Kurt intervene. Ziggy's older sister, Cindy, and her boyfriend, Tommy Slater, are cleaning the mess hall when Nurse Lana, or no, I'm sorry, I can't read, Nurse Lane, mother Lana. of shady side killer Ruby Lane, attacks Tommy, saying that he will die that night before she is removed from camp by the police. The teenagers from Sunnyvale believe she was possessed by Sarah Fear, as was her daughter. Later, Cindy and Tommy go to the infirmary to investigate her motive, where they encounter counselors Alice, Cindy's former friend, and her boyfriend Arnie. They find, they were boning by the way, they find Lane's diary, which says that fear made a deal with the devil by cutting her hand on Satan's stone, thereby earning eternal life. They also find a map in the diary leading to fear's house. This is a long synopsis. All right, so what do you want to talk about there? Oh, you mean the beginning part of the movie? Yeah, up to that point. So we're going to talk about it in chunks. I put my hand on Satan's stone and nothing happened, so... (laughs) Well, like, the beginning of the movie, the girl has obviously got OCD. Maybe it's not OCD. Maybe she has um, 
what's that thing when you go through a traumatic experience? PTSD? PTSD. Yeah. Maybe she has severe <laughs> PTSD because she's got like clocks for everything. Oh, you mean oh, uh, yeah, yeah. C. Berman? Yes. Oh, those clocks are gonna, they're gonna mean something. They're, they're definitely, they've got a purpose. We just don't know. We just don't know what it is yet. We don't know. And like, what's with her calendar and her counting down like the 5,937 days? Because, I mean, she's gotta be waiting for, for the other shoe to drop, right? Like she's waiting for Sarah Fear to come back and finish the job or whatever. Oh, so she's trying to figure out when the next event's gonna happen. Or she's just counting the, the extra days, days she's had yeah. to since she the extra since she days died? she's had to live. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Interesting. I mean, she said something like, "You know, I like I wish he hadn't saved. You know, I wish he hadn't brought me back from the dead or whatever." Right. Life is hell. I, I mean, she I, said that it never ends either in the previous movie. And did you guys? I don't. I'm trying. I'm struggling to recall. Did they show in any way in Fear Street 1978 that she was still being afflicted by Sarah Fear? Um, no. I didn't see no, that. No, they I... didn't show her character much at all. I think it was more of like implied kind of like, oh yeah, she's probably crazy. <laughs> sure. Uh... Well, I love me some Gillian. Is that the actress? Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So, I if you've know. never watched uh, Netflix's Love, you should. It's really quite good. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know. There's. I was trying my best to watch for clues in C. Bergman's house to see if it would help me in this episode. But it was difficult because there was so much clutter and so much going on. So, <clears throat> going into 1978, Nurse Lane, if I'm also remembering correctly is the lady the cheerleader dropped those kids off to in the first movie, right? Yeah. Okay. I believe so. Which is odd, because she seemed quite normal. Like, are those kids okay? <laughs> she's. I think she's completely normal, to be fair, well, because she knows something the audience doesn't. So she's not crazy. She's got external motivations we that are unforeseen. How is she not affected, though? Because we see, you know, not to, like, go into the future of this movie, but we see that she obviously knows something's going to happen to Cindy's boyfriend, right? Because mm-hmm. his name's on the rock. So how was she not affected by any of this if she was so down? It, I think part of the the legend is that you have to like handle the actual bones or something you know or to bleed, bleed on, on the, the bones, bones or whatever and if she, i suppose if she's never actually bled on the bones then she wouldn't <laughs> she wouldn't be a target of seraphir right right and the people who get randomly chosen to do her bidding bled. aren't people who bled on the bones that's what's no. but they're but they're people chosen and we don't know why they're chosen yet but based on what we saw at the end all cuz all the characters are there all of these all of these people have a analog an ancestor or right, in yeah. 1666 yeah that afflicted Seraphir in a way 
she's not randomly choosing Ruby Lane. She's not randomly choosing Tommy Slater. Gotcha. They're descendants of the people who did something so to genetic her. Genetic. Am, am I going too far into saying that? No, I could say I, that. I think they're definitely setting that up for sure. Yeah, I would agree. Like, I guess I didn't see that until now, until the second Fear Street, because I wasn't quite sure. In fact, it wasn't even towards the end of this movie that I didn't put that together. But interesting. So what else we got in that first paragraph? Um, she gets she gets arrested, taken out of there. Alice is quite a trip, huh? Oh, yeah. Alice is a lot of fun. I, I like Three Alice. guesses. What do you mean? Oh. That's what she kept saying. <laughs> I'm like, what? Um, she totally likes her hair short. She loves black makeup, and she likes sex. That's my three guesses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no one else was going to guess, just me? No, I wrote a tidbit about Ruby. I was trying to see what I had written about Alice, but... No, I wrote a thing about Ruby of how Nurse Lane was talking about how her daughter wanted to be a singer. Mm. Oh, because she sings. Yeah, because she sings, and that's her little murder trademark is her singing. So, yeah. Nope, that's all I have in this section, it did, looks like. Did any y'all, when she tried to kill Tommy... Um, buy into the fact that he was going to be the killer or clue into the fact that he was going to be the killer or do you... I remembered the guy's shirt from the first movie so I was like, oh, yep, that's him. Yeah, the flannel shirt. Oh, you did? Yeah. Good job. I was just well, he, didn't the have the flannel sh- he didn't have the flannel shirt in the beginning of the film, but then it, the yellow shirt he's got on is covered in blood or whatever in the first yeah. film and then he, it's him wearing it. Yeah. I guess all the can- the counselors have it, but like he's the only one that really fits the bill. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. <clears throat> or I guess Nick doesn't have it on for whatever reason. Because he's too good for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Nick, good. Uh-huh. There's so- <laughs> That's the only thing I'm somewhat upset with with this movie is I didn't get enough of his backstory. Like, they're still not telling you enough about this Nick good and why Nick is never affected. Uh, well, they kind of they kind of explain that he he just he chose to kind of be like oh yeah you guys are crazy because his fate or destiny or whatever lied within being a Sunnyvaler and you can't act like there's shit going wrong if you're the mayor of Sunny Dick Face Town. <laughs> That's his new name. <laughs> well, I guess so. I don't know, like. I did not put it together that it was going to be him until I think you said, Joe, when we were watching the movie, he's like, when does he get the bag on his head? Yeah. And I was like, huh? And I was just like, <clears throat> I was too busy looking for crumbs everywhere, trying to piece this together because I love the movie's kind of thrill. It pushes me through. I'm looking forward to the next movie. And I'm excited that they came out so quick. Yeah, that that was actually really cool. Mm-hmm. All right, so what's the next part of the movie there, Boogie? Oh, the next part. 
when the group reaches the house, they find empty graves dug up by Nurse Lane and discover the witch's mark below the house. Ooh. It's weird, right? Mm-hmm. Alice and Cindy find a wall carved with the names of all the shady side killers and Tommy's name included. Tommy, now possessed, kills Arnie, who's Alice's boyfriend, with an axe. He chases the girls, but they escape through an entrance into a cave. At camp, Nick helps Ziggy prank Sheila and lock her in the outhouse. The two bond and share a kiss. Tommy reaches the camp and murders several shady side campers, including Counselor Joan. Nick takes several of the campers to the mess hall before leaving to find the others while Ziggy goes to find Sheila. Nick instructs Kurt to take the campers to the bus and ring the bell before they leave to alert the others. So we get the first kill of the movie, which I enjoyed. I thought that was a good one. I agree. I was was taken aback. It it was brutal as all get out. It was... I didn't expect it to be that brutal. No, no, not at all. The overall tenor of the movie has changed a little bit since the first one. This one is definitely hearkening back in more stylized ways to a Jason Voorhees Friday the 13th movie. Where there's more sex, there's, you know, raucous behavior, which leads to people's demise, and the kills are brutal and gory. They are quite gory. It's it's a lot of fun. The songs match up to the happenstances in each movie. When they're having their little sexy time in the first film, uh, the song Sweet Jane is playing by Cowboy Junkies, I believe is the band, and then the Mm -hmm. original is playing when they're making out in the Nature and Science. Oh. Good catch. Good call. Yeah, there was another song, too, that was... Carry on the wayward son. Yeah. No, no, that's getting stuck in the hand. That's it. <laughs> I don't. That's know an amazing song. That was awesome. In my head. Right. But the music was still phenomenal in this movie. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I enjoyed now, it quite a bit. Hold on. I want to go back to your comment. I think the movie's kind of theme or like. I don't even know how it's filmed and what we're kind of getting is a sign of the time period. Like it's slasher like Friday the 13th because that was what was in during that time. That's what we'd watch. I don't know. I didn't really watch it, but I wasn't alive. (laughs) That's a that's a really good observation for sure. The first movie was patterned after Scream, which was the, you know, the dominant horror of that film time. of the 90s and well it we're... was a revitalization of a very stale genre and they did so by mocking it which was fun sure yeah right a lot could be the, here... a lot could be said about this movie doing the same thing right but here it's definitely done more much more in the style of of the 70s horror films and now i also want to just throw this out there fucking now is as good a time as any but there, I, I was shocked to find such fucking hatred and vitriol for these these movies. Um, they're derivative. They're they're. That's not what life was like in the nineties. That's not you know stuff like that. I'm like, I don't think you fucking get it. 
yeah they're I mocking all of it the point yeah it it's derivative in jest right because there is a it's intentionally doing that there is a level to these movies that stride like goes right up towards the line of comedic Mm. Yeah, but I think it doesn't quite cross it, which leaves you somewhere in the range of homage. Like, yeah, with, it's not quite parody, right? It it's not quite homage. It's more like a commentary based on an aesthetic or based on your expectations. Or do you guys know what I'm saying? Am I am I right about this? Am I in the right? Yes. Ballpark. I agree wholeheartedly for sure, but I, I, I actually feel bad for the people who are who are hating on it because right. you're missing out on good fun. I mean, I feel bad for them; they're assholes, and they just want to be it's <laughs> about stuff. <laughs> well, if I know the internet, can't argue with that. They just want to complain about something, really. Wow, Shannon hit it right on the head. Yep. Yep. Totally. People are never satisfied. They're never going to be satisfied. You know, I would just want to mention, Sheila is rotten. She should have got locked oh. in that outhouse. Sheila's a nasty Sheila Becky. is the worst. Mm. She is. I, I When she pulled out that light, I, I mean, I know this was in the first chunk, but when she pulled out that lighter and started actually burning her, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck is happening right it, now? It reminds me of the psychopath fucking kid in It who pulls out a switchblade and carves... What's he carving yeah. in the kid's stomach? Pig or something? Yeah, it's Pig. like, come on. Who are these people? Yeah, you've gone yeah. from a, a bully to a fucking psychopath. Yeah, when she goes right. back to save her, I was kind of hoping a cockroach had eaten her, but... Right. Oh, I was so hoping she was going to be dead. Yeah, me too, but no. Nope, not at all. And, like, where'd the map come from? Was the map in the book? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I'm really curious about this cave. So we see them go into the... The I'm Cave of Wonders? The witch's house. But then when they go into the witch's house, there's like a bookshelf and they move the bookshelf and they go in deeper into... Not, sort of. We're not really there yet, but yeah. We're not there yet? Nope. Matt, you want to read the next part? Oh, so sorry. I'll wait. Meanwhile, Cindy and Alice Ooh. try to escape using the witch's mark in the diary as a map of the cave. Oh, I guess we were there. <laughs> I'm, a, come across I'm, a I'm an asshole. Keep going, <laughs> come Matt. Across a... They come across a pile of beating organs, which, when Alice touches, gives her flashbacks of all the past killers and their victims. After Alice injures her leg, she reconciles with Cindy, and the two try to escape through a cave opening beneath the outhouse. After fighting an angry Sheila and, and knocking her unconscious, Ziggy and Counselor Gary try to rescue Alice and Cindy until Tommy arrives and kills Gary, beheading him. Ziggy escapes and hides with Nick, but the two are found by Tommy. He injures Nick, but Ziggy escapes to the mess hall. As the bus leaves, Cindy finds a route to the mess hall while Alice stays behind. Meanwhile, Tommy attacks Ziggy, but Cindy intervenes and kills him. Alice arrives and tells them that she found the witch's hand. She had started bleeding and realized that she was sitting near Satan's stone where she dug it out. So what do you guys theorize is that pulsating pile of goo? Oh. That's like her living heart or something you know yes. like yeah, the, the evidence of the curse or is it satan i think they're one and the same because her hand was nowhere near there so i have yeah. to say this 
that hand was in the dirt for 300 years, there's no way it's a full hand. Right. That and there's no way it's only two feet deep when they dig it out. Right. Also, we haven't figured out why, but when they bring her to hang at the tree, she doesn't have a hand. So why is the hand buried underneath the tree and her body's way out in TFTBA? No, the hand was not buried by the tree. The hand was buried in the cave. Remember, Alice, Alice oh, found it in the red moss underneath the outhouse. Oh, that they brought it to the tree. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And remember, it fell in the hole they were digging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was only there for like 20 years. Okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Yep, 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 but yep. Angela's right. It would have been. It's it's dust by it now. Would, Especially if they do, if they found it and brought it out to the open air, it would be gone. I mean, even if it was bone, they wouldn't be connected. It would just yeah, be, a would just be a handful of phalanges. Regina right. phalanges. A bunch of bones, really. It wouldn't be all together. Unless, yeah. well, we are... Who gives a shit? We're in a supernatural movie, which <laughs> right. around this pulsating mound is like red Ross or moss. Red Ross? <laughs> <laughs> red Ross moss. Red Ross! Red Ross. Red Ross. Come over. Uh, and what is that? You know, is that part of her as well, Sarah? Is that her? We don't know yet. Well, right. I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there that it's Satan. What? It's the pulsating mound is Satan. You think it's someone else? It's pure evil. Okay. Hmm. Do we get a lot of dead people in this section? Yeah, so old Tommy Slater is waxing all sorts of little kids, which I re- I, I do respect the fact that they didn't show him murdering children. <laughs> I agree that all the on-camera deaths were all adults or close enough to it. Although I also kind of wish they showed them killing the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I didn't want to see the kids being killed. I don't know. I I get both ways. Uh, If you had any sort of balls, you'd murder them kids right in front of us. I'm not 100% sure either what camp is going to do capture the flag at dark. Every camp? When there's a murderer. It's the 70s? I mean, there wasn't a murderer at that point when they were doing capture the flag. They didn't know there was a murderer murderer yet. One of their trusted counselors true virgin tommy slater i don't know it was kind of um when the camp counselor that really liked the other camp counselor were doing it and they died did they both die or just the girl just the girl because the guy yeah yeah the guy was the sunny veiler and the guy is nick good's brother yeah he's the mayor of what should we call it in ninety four? Yeah. Interesting. I didn't put that together either. Hmm. There's too much like blood and guts going on. I'm like, dude, just run. Right? Yeah. Just run. I don't know when I mean, <laughs> Ziggy When you're running a- away from a supernatural being, can you really get anywhere? True. The uh the cop with the mustache that talks to Nick after the they pulled the crazy nurse out is the guy that gets his gun stolen. Yep. Uh, Yeah. A lot of callbacks. You just got to really pay attention, I guess. Yeah. 
Which it's is a great. it's a fun way to release the movies. It is. I really liked when Ziggy found Cindy in the outhouse as she looked through the toilet. Yeah. That was uh, cute because, like, what outhouse do you go in and it's going into a cave? That's pretty funny. So weren't they walking around shit or yeah. poop? Sorry. Yep, yeah, they do. kind of. Uh, I respect the fact that they didn't show children getting murdered. They only kind of showed a body part or two, but they uh, they really didn't show enough shit for what would have been down there. <laughs> right. Oh exactly. yeah, for sure. Okay. A few strings of toilet paper and, and <laughs> basically no shit. And we totally skipped over the fact that poor Alice just deserts as she's running away from Cindy. Like, breaks her leg. Oh, yeah, it was heinous. The leg break. Now that was gruesome. Uh, yeah. Gross, real bad compound fracture, bones sticking out through the freaking yeah, leg. Yeah, she wouldn't have been all. able to even hobble on that. There's no, no way you're She would have been passed out. Uh, she's, she strapped it up real good. And she already had ibuprofen, no, acetaminophen, so she had some pain reliever yeah. going. Oh, well, that's yeah. true. They wanted to get high on Tylenol. That's a little weird. Well, they wanted to get high. They didn't know it was Tylenol. They they didn't know what it was. <laughs> they were just taking it on the off chance it was something good. And then uh, the Arnie, the the boyfriend, was like, "Oh, this is just Tylenol." I remember what those letters stand for. <laughs> right. They must look at a lot of drugs to know what's on the drugs. Well, I would imagine. Hmm. All right, what's next? Okay, so the trio decide to end the curse by reuniting Sarah's hand when Ziggy suddenly bleeds on the hand and sees a vision of Sarah Fear. This triggers the curse, resurrecting several shady side killers. Tommy rises and kills Alice, but Cindy decapitates him. Ziggy and Cindy Cindy run to the tree where the witch was hanged with the shady side killers in pursuit. They dig and find a rock saying, the witch forever lives. The killers come and Cindy realizes they are after Ziggy. She drops a hand and sacrifices herself. The two are murdered and the killers disappear until Nick finds them and saves Ziggy via CPR. I missed that whole rock thing. It was kind oh, of you quick. did? Yeah. They dug it up out of the ground? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they, were, like, they were trying to find the body, and it was just happened to be like two feet in the ground or whatever. I think I think the idea is that somebody the body and put that in its place. Like Maybe. The body wasn't necessarily two feet down, but they added, you know, whoever moved the body put that there. <clears throat> Probably a uh, shady site or a sunny veiler who didn't want the murder and mayhem to ever uh, stop. Yeah. Mm. Guess we'll find out in the third installment. Was anybody so. fell for the twist that C. Berman was Ziggy? I was hoping from the beginning and I kind of figured they would, but they started to kind of try and lead you off, but obviously that's what ended up happening in the end. So, at the beginning of the movie, I assumed Ziggy was C. Berman. Yeah, me too. But then, I don't know. There was there. They I did let I did 
they were able to lead me astray some somewhat. I, I was like, oh, I guess it is her after all. They didn't get me for a second. I know. Like, we uh, out, of the, out of the two actors, Sadie Sink is obviously more popular because she's from Stranger Things. Uh-huh. And Emily Rudd would be, you know, a great person, but she's not related to Paul Rudd, so who gives a shit? Sorry, Emily Rudd. Um, I totally was... I thought it until Joe kept telling me, it's a red herring. I'm like, what? No, it's fucking Ziggy's not her real name, and it's not out of what the realm of possibility... Name? Christine, Christine or something Christine. that parents would name two children with the same letter. You know, mm-hmm. we did it, so it's any it's possible for anyone to do that. True. So I figured Ziggy was C. Berman. But there was a section in there where you really thought everything was done because they were in the mesh hall and they were talking to Alice and they were trying to figure out how to stop everything. They're like, we just got to find the hand. Right. And we got to reunite it with the body. And it seemed like they were having this heart to heart. It was a long moment because they had killed Tommy or at least it looked like they did. Um, but I mean, he didn't have a head on his shoulders. I think it was kind of dead. It makes you wonder what caused Ziggy to bleed at that moment. Well, when you're near the witch, blood flows. Mm. Yeah. That and she got socked in the face by what's her face earlier, I guess. So she's near the witch, and the witch isn't there, though. Right? Because we know the witch isn't under that tree. No, remember in the very beginning when they're running through the woods? That's near where the witch is. And remember Ziggy gets fucking clotheslined? <laughs> yes, at the beginning of Like, the waxed, and her nose is bleeding? I'm guessing that's around where the witch is. Because uh, the blood was flowing. Gotcha. Weird way to say it's your mm-hmm. time of the it's, month. That stupid bitch uh, <laughs> later punched her in the face too, she but I don't, I'm guessing that had nothing to do with it. And oh, I, I loved the over, um, just overindulgent, I don't know how to say it, over unnecessarily overt murder of Ziggy and oh. what the hell is this? Oh man, it was brutal. <laughs> Cause, Cindy. Cindy, because she's getting whacked in the chest with an axe over and over Whoa, again. Yeah. They're like, I love you. <laughs> just, just drilled in the fucking chest. Meanwhile, Ziggy's getting stabbed in her abs. Yeah. It's a, yeah. First time though, we see a boy as a murderer. Oh, the little boy. Yeah. With the saw- baseball bat. Yes. That's Kid's the first creepy as time. shit. Ugh. That kid was creepy. I didn't like that at all. He's wearing a mask too, which is dope. And we see dope. Ruby, but we saw Ruby before. Yeah. Ooh, that was creepy. Well, the preacher's the one who kills Ziggy, right? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. You know what? Are we at the end yet? Which is interesting because the preacher is also part. played, I believe, played by the guy who plays Tommy Slater. Mm. Huh. So he's two of the killers. Always hurt the ones you love. So here we go. The last section of the movie. Dina and Josh realize that C. Berman is Ziggy, Ooh, whose real name is Christine. They tell her that they found the witch's body, and now, with the hand, they can end the curse. The camp was turned into Shadyside Mall, where Dina and Josh go and dig the hand from under the same tree. Don't worry about the fact that that's bullshit. They take it to the place where the body is buried, and Dina reunites the body with the hand. Dina's nose bleeds, and she sees a vision where she's in 1666 as Sarah Fear. 
Did you? Bum, bum, bum. Is that bullshit part of the script? No. Oh. <laughs> I started watching a little bit of the third installment. Don't tell us about it. No spoilers. All right. My zips are leeled. What do you mean the tree isn't real in the mall? No, the fact that the, the hand would still be there is bullshit. Yeah, that's ridiculous. <laughs> that's absolutely absurd. That tree would have been, compl- if they were going to do, they wouldn't have built a mall around a tree without disturbing it. They would have, if if that was going to be a thing, they would have pulled the tree, built the mall, planted the tree. Whatever was around it wouldn't, wouldn't still be there. It's nuts. Yeah. I don't know. People are pretty dumb. I kind of like that. That's true. I was like, ooh, the tree is in the mall? That's such an 80s thing. I have to go back and look. Which is where the Isn't the tree on the second fucking floor of the mall? No, it's in the first Uh, floor. Where what's-her-name gets murdered. You can see her Right, but the mall is where the first first murders occur in the first part. Sure, I understand that. I was, I'm just pretty sure... Maybe I'm my brain is dumb that this is a two story mall and the tree was on the second story. Because <laughs> if that's true, that'd be funny as shit. You know, I'm yeah, that'd be hilarious, Joe. Sorry, it would it'd be pretty funny. <laughs> Take that. I'm trying to look into the future as you know, she combined what the hand and the body or whatever. Do you think that's just a line from Sarah Fear's book that when that happens, you're going to be put into her shoes and understand what she went through, not necessarily fixing the curse? Well, we don't know that this isn't ending the curse. Correct. Like, we don't know the device by which this movie is going on. Like, I, Matt might, but um, it could just be revealing the entire story of Seraphir, not just what the legend shows. And so the person who actually reunites and ends the curse gets this glimpse into what happened. Um, And maybe ending the curse is going to have some sort of drastic effect on the present. I mean, I would think it would have to like have it would a drastic. Ha- it would have a physical manifestation of an effect because the, the actual ground of Shadyside is infected. With that red moss, right? So there will be something that happens. I mean, there has to be. Now, whether or not Dina is actually being transported through time or she's just riding along, kind of like that one episode of Quantum Leap where Sam uh, leaps into Lee Harvey Oswald and he can't do anything to stop it. Mm. It might be one of those deals. That's a very deep cut for a very specific set of people. I, I understand. <laughs> um, I mean, for this set of people, I, I think that's fair. <laughs> okay. I don't want to leave anybody in the dust there. Um, Who doesn't love Sam Beckett? Come on. He's the best. Oh, yeah. He is the best. So let's... Overall it? impressions first, then we'll rate it. I'll go first. Yep. I'm really enjoying this little mini-series. I... I don't even remember what I gave the first movie, but I'm going to give this one a 7.5. Uh, the music alone is really a good selling point for me. Uh, I'm enjoying the story. It's not telling me too much. And if Joe wasn't sitting next to me, I would have had a lot of shocking, like, oh, really? Points. So 
Yeah. <laughs> I'd probably rewatch this. Okay. I'll, I'll go next. I'm enjoying the heck out of this, for sure. I, I'm. I don't like. I don't like a lot of horror because a lot of it's stupid, right? It's just sure. it's dumb. And I'm finding this wildly entertaining, and, and it's it, it. It's a lot about that that borderline parody style, you know, that's making fun of itself, but yet somehow taking itself seriously in it's it's genuinely making fun of itself if that makes sense right um so i i like it quite a bit and i'm i'd, I'd give it a seven for sure oh we're rating too yes. oh i don't shannon did sorry i did i didn't hear that what'd you rate it uh, I don't remember. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay. <laughs> Matt, what do you think, bud? Um, I'm enjoying it a lot. I don't. I'm not usually a fan of horror films. Uh, I think it's. You guys kind of touched on it quite a bit. As it's either usually dumb or just overly like jump scary, or it's supposed to be super spooky, but the whole thing's dumb. Even though, you know, it's it's taking itself so seriously. Um. I think this kind of hits some happy medium, whether they're, you know, they're like, ha-ha, look how fucking stupid we are, and kind of making fun of themselves, but also kind of giving the film a serious undertone. I don't know, but I like it. Um, you know, there's definitely some homage going on. Um, I think I'm a bigger fan of the series now that I've seen the second film. I kind of wish I would have rated the first one higher, and I will give this an 8. Yeah, um, the first one I thought was fun, and I think the second one for me really cemented just exactly what they're doing. And not only that, how well they're doing it. Uh, And from what I've heard so far, the third is the best in the series. So if that is the case, we're all in for a treat. Um, I feel sorry for the people on Reddit that I encountered that are like, fuck this movie, because I think it's pretty great. Uh, I think that they're doing a very good job of walking that tightrope, the one we've been discussing. And Mm -hmm. it makes for a very entertaining movie. And one of the best indicators that a movie is entertaining is if you want to watch it again. Right. You know what I mean? Because, like, I've seen a ton of movies I'll never fucking watch again. Liked it or not. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Uh, absolutely. I'll watch these movies again. They're fun. So... I definitely want to watch them at least once more through the whole thing just so I can kind of like pick up on the callbacks and tidbits that I may have missed. For sure. And uh, that'll, yeah, I'll give this movie an eight. I think they're they're doing really well. So, Okay, guys, we're going to take a quick break. Who knows exactly how long that's going to be. <laughs> and we'll be back to review part three, 1666, which... You got to love what they did there, right, guys? Oh, yeah. All right, be right back. Yes, queen. (laughs) So you're after 1665. Mm, (laughs) But it's not 69. Okay. And through the power of editing, our break is over. And here we are to talk about Fear Street 1666 Part 3. No music, huh? No, which is, uh, I guess this is technically two more movies. 
too? Yeah, there's a 1666 is part one, and then 1994 part two is the second half of the movie. So, <clears throat> we're back in 1666, right? And having reunited the severed hand of Sarah Fear with the rest of her corpse, Dina has a vision showing the events of 1666 from the perspective of Sarah Fear herself. She lives with her father George and her brother Henry in Union, the original settlement before it was divided into Sunnyvale and Shadyside. The community also includes Pastor Cyrus Miller, his daughter Hannah, with, you know, whom Sarah is in love with, Abigail and her sister Constance, Mad Thomas, Caleb, her friends Lizzie, Isaac, and Solomon Good, ancestor of Sheriff Nick Good, and Solomon's brother Elijah. Sound kind of familiar? A little bit. So what do you think about like the very uh, beginning introduction into this world? Well, I mean, I, I think we were all... Uh expecting there to be you know, uh, counterparts, modern, you know, past counterparts for the modern day cast, and that rang true. Um, I think they did a good job of setting up 1666 and mm. the, the uh, time periods and or the problems of the time period and the types of things that would have been going on i guess i mean i really like how we start it like you're not really sure if she's like a mass murderer or what yeah is going you didn't on. you weren't really sure about what the story of seraphir was going to be and i guess i didn't really see her not being a witch right. until until uh we'll talk about this in a second something happens um also i, I had my go ahead I was just going to say, I kind of had my suspicions, but, uh, yeah, it was kind of a, kind of a plot twist for sure. Um, did anybody else get, like, confused by who was who because of all the, like, everybody with the faces from the past, yeah. present day? Yeah. I was, I'll, I'll admit I was completely wrong because I watched the preview, obviously, when we talked about Fear Street Part 2. Uh, the guy who played Tommy Slater wasn't the pastor. I thought he was based on the way he was like preaching. Mm. Bad time. So he wasn't two different peeps. Yeah, but does anybody? You... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to ask: Does anybody remember um, if the teacher was their parent, their dad, the drunk dad, or whatever? Ooh. Because he teacher. looked like that's who it was. Like the teacher from the first movie was in the the 1994 film for like two minutes, I think. I'm going to have Unless to go I'm back and look. Remembering incorrectly. There's so many characters that I right. can't recall their backstory that I would have to watch to make those connections. And we are of the assumption too, based on having watched this whole thing, she's not a participant in the past. She's merely just watching it. Yeah. It's like a window. Correct. Into yeah. the past that she was given. How Sarah Fear was actually had the power to do this is, you know, another beyond the thing. Because that's what makes you believe she's a witch. Because she was able to take whatever her name was. Dina. What was her real name? 1994. 
Dina. Dina. To take Dina to the past so she could see what's happening. Well, yeah. That's well, where you kind of assume she's a witch. Because who else would have the ability to show you the past? Right? But she's Glenda the Good Witch. We just didn't know. Oh, spoilers. <laughs> All right, what happens next there, Boogie? Well, next, um, one night while Sarah, Lizzie, and Hannah make their way to a party for the young adults, they sneak into a tent of a reclusive widow where Sarah stumbles on a book of black magic. After fleeing, she and her friends arrive at the party, and she and Hannah are harassed by Caleb as they reject his advances, which is a very mild statement about what was going on there, just as an aside. Mm-hmm. Um, the two run off and get intimate, knowing unknowingly seen by Mad Thomas. The next day, Pastor Miller begins to act strange as the town is struck with a horrible misfortune. Sarah confides in Solomon and wonders if she's responsible for the town's bad luck. The two then hear a scream and realize that Pastor Miller has locked several children in the chapel. When they break down the door, they discover that Pastor Miller has murdered the children, which include Henry and Constance. Sarah finds Henry's body, and while distracted, is nearly killed by Pastor Miller before he he himself is killed by Solomon. Good old Solomon. Yeah, Solomon good. Now, I became informed of the twist that this movie is going to take as soon as she meets Solomon. Yeah, you, you you figured it out. I was when when you walked up to his house and there's the graves. Mm. I was like, yeah, he's the bad guy. So do you just assume that he killed his wife because no, she didn't want to be one, a part of it? Because what we had seen so far is Sarah Fear's a normal girl, maybe a little different, yep. right? Yeah. And you got to think about who's going to be desperate enough to make a deal with the devil, the guy who just lost his whole family. And yep. left town. Yeah. To live in the woods. I mean, I didn't see the twist coming, so I thought that they did a good job of making it seem like she was desperate enough to make yes. a deal with the devil. Yeah, they definitely played that up. Save didn't her they? own skin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, once the town has been notified that she was having uh, lesbian dalliances, so to speak. <laughs> Uh, they all decide that she's a witch and, you know, she's corrupted the pastor's daughter and she's going to get hanged. And that seemed like a strong enough motive to make a deal with the devil. I mean, she even at one point grabs the book and is like, they want a witch? Well, they're going to get a witch. Right. I, I, I was shocked that it wasn't her. Right, exactly. Because it's kind of leading you in that direction, like... Sure, I'm gonna just do this because you guys are acute. Well, wasn't it Caleb who accused them because he wanted to get it out with Hannah, but because yes. Hannah didn't want him and his well, huge... there's absolutely something like this movie is obviously making a, a political statement, yeah, right. But however, <laughs> this is like historically accurate shit. If you were a dude oh, yeah, yeah. and you just didn't like what a woman did, mm. she's a witch killer. And like there was a certain oh, yeah, time yeah. period where that's like if a girl learned math, she was a witch, you know. Yep. If she spoke her mind, a witch. Because guess what, guys? Mm. There's no fucking such thing as witches. <laughs> <laughs> nope, they're sure. So isn't. all those but women all in Salem do- and shit were killed for being women. Yep. 
Oh, yeah. he's good's a, a warlock. Okay, yeah, you're right. Because she weighed the same as a duck or whatever. No, I mean, <laughs> I mean in real life, Matt, not in this movie. This is real life. Oh. <laughs> Hello. I was. You, con- you know, I gotta rewatch witches. it now. So we're gonna take another break. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know this was a documentary. <laughs> pretty good one, I have to say. Production level is pretty great. <clears throat> um. Who know? Who knew they had that level of recording equipment in 1666? Exactly. You know the whole first murder too of all these kids, because you're not really sure what drives you know, the whole process. Like, the fact that Good proclaimed his whatever to the devil and the devil created this cave under his house, right? We see that here. I can't remember when we yeah. see it. Yeah, well, he... Were you guys at all unsettled by the fucking black KKK costume he was wearing? Ooh. A little bit, yeah. I was like, well, that's that's and, an odd touch. And when we saw the... all the church full of children with their eyes gouged out. I'm like, finally, Joe got what he wanted. Murdered children. Yeah, but like, how is that decided? Like, he prays to the devil and the devil decided to claim the priest? Like, did he name someone? I I Yeah, he named the priest specifically, yeah. Ah. They show it later on, I think. He said Cyrus Miller, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. What was shocking as fuck is when they're doing like a the scene where they're showing all the ancestors. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the Nick Good from the camp episode who picked Tommy Slater. Yep. Like so he knew moments, what was going on. Exactly, then. he knew exactly what was going on the entire freaking time. Oh. Yep. And he was acting. He like, was acting like he didn't want any part of it. Like he was. Right. He didn't want to be a part of his family, but it, but it turns also, out. It it also uh, hints at why he was generally unafraid to be running around that camp. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he knew he was safe. Yep. Like, did he actually think he could have some type of life with uh, Ziggy, knowing that he could do this? Like, it seems like no matter what the goods do, they're alone. Well... It's the same mistake that Solomon made, right? He was in love with Seraphir. And he knew at that moment and when, when she, she rejected him, confessed that she wasn't into him, she was into Hannah, he realized that he had to move forward. It was like when they were in the house and she was confessing. All right, let's get to the next part before we start talking about all the stuff I, forward. I just want to mention something because oh. the mood in this film is so different from yes. the first two. Um, I enjoy the music because the music is very instrumental, but yet horrific. Well, sets the atmosphere. <laughs> it does. And mm-hmm. I enjoyed it because I'm like, what kind of music are they going to play for 1666, right? Yeah, I'm glad that they didn't do any sort of, I don't know, like any sort of lyrical music. Modern that music. There wasn't. Yes. Right. Very much so. Okay, so... <clears throat> The last section? We're at the last section already? Of 1666, yeah. Go ahead, Matt. Later that night, a town meeting is held at which the town decides that witchcraft is the cause of the grim events they are suffering. Caleb claims that Sarah and Hannah are the witches responsible in retaliation for them refusing his advances at the party. The two attempt to flee, but Hannah is captured while Sarah escapes as the town declares that Hannah will be executed at dawn. 
Later that night, Sarah sneaks into the chapel where they are keeping Hannah and proclaims her love for her. Boing, she, decides to she decides to retrieve the widow's book and use it to make a deal with the devil and save Hannah, but she finds the book gone and the widow murdered. She flees to Solomon's house for help and hides in the back room after he is ambushed by men hunting Sarah. <clears throat> Excuse me. While hiding, she finds tunnels under his house, revealing a strange ritual as well as the widow's book. It is revealed that Solomon took the book to make a deal with the devil, offering Pastor Miller to be possessed to kill others in exchange for power and wealth. He offers to share it with her, but Sarah rejects his offer and flees into the tunnels. He catches her and the two fight with her hand cut off in the ensuing struggle. She makes her way out to the tunnels, but it is found by the townspeople and arrested. But is found by the townspeople and arrested. As Sarah and Hannah's execution, Sarah is able to convince the town to spare Hannah's life at the cost of her own. Sarah swears vengeance from the grave just before she is executed via hanging. Shortly after, Lizzie, Isaac, Hannah, and Abigail grieve Sarah and properly bury her body. Yeah, that was a that was an, an, like an, an intense uh, third act of this yeah. first part. I mean, it was a. Uh... And I believe I called it <laughs> that the blob in the basement was the devil. Yeah. Not Sarah yeah. Fear. That's fine. You did. Yeah. Sure. You know, what at any point if you stabbed it, what would have happened? I Nothing. Right. It's a supernatural blob that can eject killers out of it. I well, don't think. The connections between the good family and the blob. because Whoever summoned it, yeah. Yeah. So, so it didn't uh, matter what you do it. Despite the differences between what they tried to lead you on in the first two films and this film, do you guys think that Sarah Fear, if she finds the book instead, that she because she actually becomes a witch in uh, retrospect? Ooh. Okay, say that, that again. Like if, that would make sense. If, if Sarah Fear gets to the book before Dildo Face, good mm -hmm. does, <laughs> she becomes the witch, right? Well, yeah, she would have wanted like <clears throat> she would have wanted to use the power for something else, right? I don't know. Like, see, I don't understand exactly what the ritual was supposed to do. Is the mechanic of what good did the only way to make the deal with the devil that you have to pick a name, and it's kind of like a human sacrifice of sorts that you do that, and then good will come to you. Well. Because he says, like, it, it costs one person every couple of years, but is is picking that person's name and that person becoming a murderer to slaughter a bunch of people, is that the only way this deal works? I don't think so. That's a good question. Because if we're going to assume that Sarah Fear somehow becomes a witch herself, as she's running from Solomon in these caves, doesn't she lose her hand? Is therefore that her sacrifice to which she now is... She can curse? No. I don't think she is a witch. I no, think she's, she's just a, a vengeful spirit. Well, she does manage to enact a curse of sorts because without that happening, no one ever figures out what's going on. Correct. So the curse somehow drives this whole thing to be over. Because we would never Well, have the curse seen. the curse isn't what you think it is either. The curse is not the curse. The Correct. curse is is good sapping positive energy from shady side <clears throat> to get you know what I mean to make Sunnyvale what is, is that what it was called yeah yeah to make Sunnyvale, Sunnyvale prosper mm -hmm. 
It's not necessarily I mean, like the, a curse. It's it's more like an IV. Right. Does that make sense, Shannon? Mm-hmm. So the the curse so, of the witch is not real. Did anybody figure out how Shadyside and Sunnyvale, like how that? split happened i i mean while we're in 1666 it's just union all one thing yes who how did how did it become that she you know that like the goods were part of sunnyvale and therefore sunnyvale prospered and not well here's here's a leap i'm just gonna go ahead and take good does not live in union right Mm -hmm. he lives way out yonder um, I'm assuming that this is going just to, this is just a, uh, device of the haves versus the have nots. The good things start happening for good. People start to, you know, the people I mean, who can very... afford to move, move near him. Meanwhile, cause like the town is blighted, the shit, the people who are stuck in the shit and can't get out of the shit are just going to be, be there. Gotcha. Hence we get Sunnyvale and Shadyside. Yeah, because I don't think where Solomon Good lives is actually Sunnyvale. I think that's of no. Course. I mean, it's I mean, in the it's middle. Gotta, of, it's in the middle of a mall. I mean, it's got to <laughs> be. It's well, it's going to be Sunnyvale eventually because they when they come out of the t- tunnels, they're in Sheriff Good's house. Right. So I, what I think is, based on the three movies, the mall and the summer camp are like dead in between. Sunnyvale, and Sunnyvale, and Shady Side. That makes sense. And so it's like it's like a nexus point. So this is where Good lives now. He's gonna move. Mm-hmm. But the the tunnels are pretty expansive. It seems they go from the mall to the mayor's house. Yeah. Is that the mayor's house or was that sher- the sheriff's house? That's I'm, the mayor's house. I'm fairly certain that's the mayor's house. Okay. Fair. I I mean they're brothers, right? So it could have been. Yeah. But I mean the fact that there was Good memorabilia you know so to speak up on the wall doesn't necessarily indicate it's the sheriff's house yeah i loved the family tree i was just oh that was so creepy with the two black candles Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that was dope as shit yeah it was um i mean that that could have been sheriff good's house but that's an awfully nice house for a sheriff and we never see sheriff good go to but it's sheriff good he's gonna have an unusually prosperous life right i guess i but I mean, that's a big old house. It seemed more like a mayor's house. I mean, it could have been. I they. I don't think they were explicit, other than to say that. Or maybe know. it could have been their their family home. Maybe it's one of those deals. Like that's where the dad lived. That's where their grandpa lived. Could be because there's a fucking entrance into the cave system from their di- their study. <laughs> so yeah. right. There's all these goat heads everywhere. <laughs> Yeah, that was creepy as all get out. I loved it. Oh, my goodness. So, you know, not only do we see the caves and she's running through the caves. Um, we see them going to the hanging tree and we see that they're both going to get hung. Yeah. Um, we kind of missed at the beginning here when Hannah and um, Sarah were fooling around that Hannah was wearing a red moss crown. Yeah. Um, which is going to come back here 
uh, soon, I believe. I don't know. They bury her body with yeah. This so crown. they during their little weird night out in the the moonlight or whatever, <laughs> where they're dancing and. Where the moon is thin, the veil of the Whatever. moon is thin. Whatever. Uh, Hannah <laughs> wears... It's just, snappy, but it's not just them. It's like all the teenagers yeah. of the town are all gathering for debauchery. Well, as tame of fucking debauchery as you can get, because it doesn't seem like anybody's actually banging. Right. Well, it's 1666. I mean, looking at somebody an- they was showed debaucherous. Right. So Hannah's <laughs> wearing this crown of this red leaf whatever it might be, and one gets stuck in Seraphir's hair, and she's like, oh, she remembers the time that they banged out on the rock. Um, and they bury her with that crown, mm-hmm. which is the red moss that's spreading through the cave system that you think is part mm-hmm. of the curse, but right. it's actually not. Right. It isn't. So, Or is it? And it's at that <laughs> point you realize that... <laughs> These poor females are sacrificing their lives for other people and claiming they're a witch and they're getting hung. And there's other people in this town who don't believe it. Obviously, because the other kids go and bury her, Sarah. Well, there's some other kind of magic afoot, right? It's not, it might not necessarily be a curse per se, but. There's something. uh, Yeah, the whole good uh, deal with the devil thing only. Uh, kind of encapsulate, uh, encapsulates uh, him. Oh my god, I'm Excuse him uh, having fortune from you know others' misfortune. Sure. Uh, and somehow, um, Sarah fears you know the knowledge of the events uh, spreads through you know the whatever else is going on the people bleed on her bones whatever yeah so, so there's Sarah Fear's whole curse her curse is you I want everyone to know the truth yeah right for what you did because I couldn't I was trying to tell people but you took me and claimed that I was a witch right which you saw that coming you obviously saw good turning on her because she didn't want him it was the only thing at this point he could do because who's going to believe someone, a girl or a guy at this point? Oh, nobody's going to believe a woman for anything. Right. Let alone a gay woman. I didn't. Oh, man. Somebody who clearly has the devil in her. And I guess when we were at this point, I thought this film was going to be completely about 1966. And that's what kind of 1666? threw me. Yes. Did I say 19? I'm sorry, 1666. But when we, which we're going into the next part, I didn't assume this movie was going to be so much of 1994. Too. Yeah, it's what another 30, 35 minutes or so. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we're but at... I, I mean, I feel like I was like, oh, I didn't expect this, but then I immediately thought, well, that was dumb. Of course, I should have expected this. This is gonna finish where it started, right? right. Like, yeah. So, and I, yeah. I guess I didn't assume that. I assumed it was going to leave us on a cliffhanger and we were going to get more movies. <laughs> Which, it looks we'll talk like about it. that in a minute. Okay. Yeah. So, Go ahead, Shannon. i got to open it. Okay, so 1994, part two. As Dina's visions end, she realizes that the Good family is responsible for the shady side curse. As the firstborn of each generation repeat the ritual begun by their ancestor Solomon. 
She and Josh are found by Sheriff Nick, who begins to realize that they are catching on to him. The two siblings manage to escape in Nick's car and arrive at Ziggy's house, where Ziggy is still watching a possessed Sam. Ziggy is shocked at the fact that Nick and his family Mm. are the reason for her sister's death, but understands that they must kill Nick in order to stop the Shadyside curse. After they recruit the help of Martin, a mall janitor, Josh befriends him in the first film. The quartet concocts a plan to lure Nick to the mall and sets traps to have the undead kill him. Which I, I really liked this, I guess, fourth part of this movie because it was uh, all the callbacks to the first film. Yep. Yeah. And I just want to say, <clears throat> we can... St- I can interrupt right here, I guess. Do you guys like the way that this was released? In this order? Just like so soon, like all kind of like a series, but it's their film length. Yeah. I do. <laughs> yeah, if they had done uh, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame like this, I would have probably pooped my pants. <laughs> because the I think the the rapidness at which they were they were released, it's almost binge watch material. Um, it's only a week apart. You're not losing all of the callbacks. Like you're, it's still fresh in mind. Right. Right. And I think they also just to you know, kind of discuss the r- rapidness of this. I think that actually gives them an advantage because if you looked at Netflix's like top ten last week, yeah, all three of them were in there, or whatever. Yeah, it was like if you didn't watch the first one, but you notice the second one's in the top 10, all of a sudden you have this mass amount of people watching the first one and the second one because they're like, wow, that was actually good. So they go back and watched it. And then immediately jumping on the third one as soon as it's released because, you know, they're, they're invested now you get that. I mean, I really, quite frankly, if, if these weren't all released very similar, you know, I don't know that I would have, watched i don't know that i would have watched two or three like if there had been a year between the releases i i don't know that i would have liked the first one enough to be like waiting with bated breath for the second one for a year and then all of a sudden and and then got right on it you know i might have been like yeah i'll get back to that at some point it's kind of the go ahead no i was just gonna say it's they got me back into horror I would not have watched it if it wasn't for this. It's, I mean, it's it's not like, because it's only, what, three hours, four hours, five hours-ish of material, somewhere around there, right? Six, seven, sure. Six. Is <laughs> it two were, hours each? They were all like, yeah, they were all like two hours each. Okay, so six hours of material. That's only six episodes of an hour-long drama. So it's not even like, Netflix greenlights ten episodes of the same thing, right? Of hour-long, twelve episodes of hour-long. So it's not even like it's that much of a commitment for the actors. It's not as much as a series. Right. Right. Um, but like, it's I think it's just as fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It seems like they stumbled upon something that possibly could continue to repeat. You could well, literally yeah. do the, this with a comedy the, film. You could do this with a... Has a, this happened yet? Has Is this the first time we're seeing this type of format? Huh. Um... I mean, it's 
I don't think so. We've seen this type of format in like documentaries, miniseries, that type of thing. I, I guess not necessarily with movies. Yeah, like three, three films, just quick. like bam, bam, bam. Yeah, I don't think we've seen it with movies. More, more with series and and documentaries. I definitely don't think it's been done with horror films for sure. Yeah. Oh no, well, definitely not horror films. And you know, possibly that they're you know taking what they see with Disney Plus and the Marvel franchise. The fact that how many people tuned in each week for you know WandaVision mm. and started off that whole series. Maybe they were thinking, well, let's kind of capitalize on that and let's look at that. But I don't think it's been done at all. I'm thinking. No, about... I mean, as far as like films coming out, like all in a series like this, I guess the closest we would have is when Peter Jackson released the Hobbit films and they were only like six months apart. Isn't... Right. Am yeah. I remembering that right? Yep. But I don't know. Um, this I, I enjoyed it. And so far we've got the the 1994 part two, they're setting up their plan to go to the mall, which is kind of fun that they're going back to the mall. Yes. Let's go <sighs> to the mall. Today. Today. You know, um, when Ziggy finds out that Sheriff Good is Oh, not she's good, devastated. Right. She is devastated. But like that flashback scene, when you see that Sheriff Good at the camp in 1978 oh, knew the whole time that part that really clenched like my feelings i was like so upset for ziggy well i like the fact that it's like the same set of circumstances that solomon good fell victim to and to a certain extent mm-hmm. um it, it's it's closing the circle i mean the crazy thing is is that if he I mean, it's not exactly the same circumstances if he hadn't been, a, you know, had been perpetuating this deal with the devil, he could have gotten the girl. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, he had the girl for the most part. Yeah. 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 Ziggy would have been down for it 100%. They could have lived happily ever after, except for the fact that he was perpetuating this deal. Right. And it affected her sister. Ruining her life. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, oh yeah. Ruined goodness. your life big time. So crazy. So what do you guys think of the plan? I love the, the super fact soakers that they grabbed the, the janitor. That was a cute little twist there. Yeah. Which, of I course... I loved the janitor. Oh, yeah, he's Martin great. was great. You could somewhat see that it was going to happen, but when he had the aha moment that he was framed... Oh, yeah, those are my spray cans. It was phenomenal. Like, he made... I'm glad they introduced him at this point. Instead of it just being them trying to... Because it was kind of, like, boring. You needed something to kind of draw me into this fight scene, so to speak. Because we've already seen most of these killers. Yeah. So, like, wh- who cares oh, if the they're coming Oh, the dude in the plague me? doctor mask? That was new. Ugh. That was creepy. Yeah. Plague masks are freaking creepy, just in general. But I wasn't quite sure what they were going to do. It's not like you knew what they were going to do. Like, well, they were going to squirt the blood in and lead them in and trap them in the, behind the gates. It was pretty obvious. Right, but they didn't tell you the plan word for word. They, like, gave you crumbs, and I love that because it reminds me horror Well, I like, think that you were supposed to assume that's what they were doing because that's what they did in the first movie. Right. Oh, yeah, I totally forgot. There you go. 
All right, let's let's see what, how this is going to end. Despite an initial setback where several police officers arrive and are killed, like, brutally, the plan begins to work and the group manage to temporarily trap the killers. Ziggy lures Nick to the center of the mall where she pulls a string that pours a bucket of Dina's blood all over him, reminiscent of what they, when they pulled the simmer plank, prank on Sheila at Camp Nightwing, except yeah. this time they actually use blood and not bugs. Yeah. However, Nick manages to escape into the tunnels. Dina and a possessed Sam follow him while the others fight off the undead killers. Sam catches up to Dina, but Dina is able to break Sam out of her possession temporarily before knocking her out. Nick pins Dina down and nearly kills her, but Dina is able to expose Nick to the unholy mass um, at the center of the tunnels, which gives him a vision of all his killer's victims. With Nick distracted, Dina gains the upper hand and finally kills him, which makes the undead killers disappear and breaks the curse on Shadyside once and for all. Later, the Good Family is exposed for their heinous actions. Martin finds a career selling technology, and Dina and Sam have a picnic date at Sarah Fear's grave. And Henry meets the the girl he was chatting with online. Yeah. Oh yeah. I... Queen Silent or Queen whatever. <laughs> She's like you Queen Slayer or whatever. Her name yeah. Was. She wrote on his cast. That was cute. It was so cute. It was cute. So the the especially only... after he lost his you know the girl that he kissed first died. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I guess the only thing that bothers me if there's something that's going to bother me it's going to be the fact that when Dina and uh, Sheriff Good are fighting she gains some advantage here I, it's kind of unbelievable that she would gain an advantage when he's a strong male and she's a teenager it's kind of unbelievable that they showed him plunge the knife into her stomach all the way down to the and- hilt and that wasn't enough to go through the R.L. Stein books <laughs> right you know, like, but whatever. It's a dumb movie. It would have been more believable if, like, he tripped and fell and hit his head, and then you know something like that. Like, I didn't need this massive fight scene at the end with them. So, I mean, I think it's supposed to demonstrate the power of, you know, true love, adrenaline, <laughs> and love, and you know, whatever, whatever didn't else he is driving injured? her. Say that again, Matt. Uh, didn't no. he get injured? Yeah, he did, didn't he? He gets dis- he... he gets distracted by the truth when he yeah, touches he gets... the blob. He gets like Somebody... attacked by all, all the undead people. Yeah, he gets stabbed. Yeah, he... yeah there you go. Because I remember when he like was running through the thing, he was like clutching his side or some shit. Yeah, he had a stab wound in his back. I think mm-hmm. you're right. He was injured. Uh, but I mean, still it. Sorry, nobody likes to hear this nowadays, but men are stronger than women. It just is what it is, especially a grown man and a child. Right. Yeah, no, for sure. It it, it was somewhat unbelievable that she was putting up, at, you know, uh, the fight that she was, for sure. Mm-hmm. But he was it injured, so. Seem, right, but it does seem like he could have just bashed in, her pretty in this, quickly. In the same vein, she was injured, too. She was stabbed in the stomach. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah. I, it's kind of reminiscing back to 1666. Reminiscing? When, or what, what's the right <laughs> word? Recalling when uh, Sarah was fighting uh, Solomon. Yeah. But it's just different. I think well, they were, were reliving the fight, too. Yeah. She was as they it were was going through the It was very similar, cave. some of the moves between the two. But I think they... Another argument to be made might be that like he didn't want to kill her right away, per se, and was just trying to like 
get the final haha before he killed her. Because mm. that seems to be a family trait of being a fucking douchebag. Right. He yeah. was he was definitely like monologuing. Well, he never yeah. really kills. He sacrifices a name so they can kill, so he can Hasn't look good. Hasn't he, though? He's killed almost all the killers. Yep. Yep, at the end. Interesting, right? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I want to go back and actually see the scene where he sees all the killers. I I only want to know one thing. Who that, did he give the note to? Did we ever find out? What note? He it's gave happening it to again. Ziggy. To Ziggy. Did we yeah. actually find Who, that out? Yes, she was doing something in her house and she looked down. It was on like the coffee table or whatever. Yeah. Which, okay. how reckless and oh, what a jerk. Why would he warn her? Yeah, why? I don't earth? know. Is he warning her or is he taunting her? Ooh, good one. Yeah, exactly. But like, she didn't. What? She didn't know that he was. No, the she best. doesn't know it's a taunt. He just. He's like, I'm gonna. I'm going to put fear in her because you know that's fine. I don't know that me. he wants to make her psychopath. Afraid. He seems to genuinely like have feelings for her because he's totally yeah. thrown off when he's at the mall. Like, torn. oh, for sure. I don't know. I don't know. It seems I, like... I, I, I've. I find it hard to reconcile the idea that somebody who could perpetuate something like this can have feelings. Mm. Okay. Yeah, it seems like he's trying to drive her crazy, so she looks like the town crazy person, so no one would believe her. So he. I mean, I continue. think that's already done and been done with. But yeah. yeah. Exactly. Why push it even further is beyond me. Because Just... he's sadistic. Literally. I think yeah, I think Joe's right. I think he genuinely cares for her. He kind of I think he's you know, come to terms with the fact that he's they're never gonna be together, but he right. also cares about her and she might be one of a handful of people he doesn't want to see hurt. I and this might be a reach, but I think she represents to him the thing that he actually wants to be. I think he doesn't necessarily like he's a a split personality about this whole deal. He didn't ever want to be the guy who made the deal with the devil mm. and causes all this stuff to happen, but he can't. He doesn't feel like he can fight it either because it's in his family. Because he he's like bound by this sense of duty to his family. Yeah, and along the way, he has become the thing he never wanted to. Mm. But he still kind of holds on to her because she reminds him of the fact that he was once once upon a time he was a different person. I don't know. Is that too far to say? I mean, I suppose that's like as if. So the person that I'm describing is the guy, you know, had his family not done this, he might have just himself made the deal with the devil. The guy you're describing would never have made the deal with the devil himself. But because this was mm-hmm. thrust upon him, he carries it out. Exactly. Gotcha. And he's still a absolute fucking monster douchebag for doing so but i think i think he becomes one Mm -hmm. you know what i mean i mean yeah motivation matters right if he's just doing this Mm. on his own that's one thing or the fact well i think the last control it the last pure moment he had in his life was his his dalliance with ziggy yeah yeah like that's the last time he actually got to be the version of himself he always wanted to be yeah but 
then again, he had already named the killer before that, so it's like right. out of a sense He'd of duty. He already participated then, right. yeah. in that. But and... I think like he still views himself as that guy for the most part. Meanwhile, he has become a monster. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't see himself that way. Am I reaching? I don't know. I think so. It's hard to say. I think we see in the first film that he, you know, we we don't see it at first. But if you look back on the first film when he's talking to the girls when they come into the police station, he's a complete fucking asshole about it. And he knows they're right. Right. He knows what they're saying is factual, but he's still fucking like, oh, yeah, this. uh, Okay, so I'm just going to say that uh, the killer came in with uh, half his brains blown out. He's, He's just like mocking them. Yeah. Oh, I'll go check it out with right. all these people dead. <laughs> Come on. Well, does, I don't, he know, I don't... does he know about that part of the curse? I he mean, how could does he, he not? Well, he's, that's not his deal. That's true. He has nothing to do with the bones. His the deal blood. is... So he, he warns What's-Her-Face that it's happening again, so I'm pretty sure he knows. Well, I think he knows that a name's been named... But I don't think he knows that Sarah fear and what she wants for him, his curse or whatever you want to right. call it, is occurring. I don't. Uh, yeah. Well, does he, he know, does he understand the scope of Sarah fear's curse? Maybe he doesn't understand her magic. The purpose of finding the name. I mean, it could very well be that he thinks Sarah fear is nothing. But that's that's nonsense. Well, yeah, because he keeps perpetuating Use... the the myth by spray painting it everywhere. Right. That he thinks, or that he thinks his thing is completely separate from Seraphir, and he's using Seraphir to, you know, to cover up his thing. That that very well could be. And there's this weird connection because in the <laughs> first film, when a killer is named. They per- were supposed to kill randomly shady side people, correct? But in the first film, when a killer's named, uh, Hannah bleeds on the bones or whatever because she's near them, and it drives the killer to come after whoever bleeds on her bones. Not the killer. It's the ghosts. The, yeah, whoever it is. Well, who was named in the first film? Her, right? Who's named in the first film? Sam. Sam is. Sam is. Yeah. Well, at the end, yeah, the person who's named in the first film is the guy who's the the skull mask. Which is weirdly ironic because Sam is named because she moves from Shadyside to Sunnyvale. Sam is named because she's a problem for Sheriff Good. Mm -hmm. Because Dina's a problem for Sheriff Good. And if he names Sam, Sam will kill Dina. Gotcha. Because it's not necessarily like he doesn't control who gets killed, but if you name a shady cider, shady ciders are probably going to get killed because that's who's in their orbit. Yeah. The one thing I want to mention before we're done here is this cute little callback. So when they finish uh, killing Sheriff Good and she runs back to Sam and Sam's okay, she takes off her jacket and you can see that she has armor on. Did you guys notice what her armor was? It was the R.L. It was the actual books, the Fear Street titles. Oh, that's adorable. Well, they showed them in the first movie. They're in the bookstore. They're in B. Dalton books all over the bookshelf. Yep. Yep. And there's a lot of them. 
So the one that you can see in the film is the first fear, Fear Street Cheerleaders, number one. Ooh. Ah. So do we think it means anything that Stephen King is mentioned quite a bit in this series, even mm. though this is an R.L. Stein series? Do you think that's just because it was the 70s and that was big then? Yes. Or there's something bigger there? I think there's I a think... few things going on, but yeah. Yeah, I think it's a, a mixture of things because, you know, when you think of horror books, who do you think of immediately? Probably mm-hmm. Stephen King first. If yeah, you, for sure. You know, unless you're a super fan of somebody else. But yeah, and also he was even bigger in the 70s, kind of. So I think that would, that kind of had to do with it, too. I mean, with the release of Carrie, Carrie was huge back then. Right. I am a little hopeful that's great. That this is going to build into something else. But just a little. Yeah, I want to know who who grabbed the book at the end. <laughs> okay, oh, so that's yeah. the one thing I didn't mention, is that's that in the, the mid credit scene, someone grabs the book from the crime scene. Which, at this point, I'm yelling at the screen when they killed him, why didn't they just burn this book? Hello. Oh, I didn't watch the I didn't watch past the beginning of the credits. I didn't know there was a mid credit scene. Yeah, they uh, scope down uh, back into the caves, and you can see there's caution tape with little evidence markers. And next to evidence marker number 13 is the book. And you see a hand grab the book, and it cuts. Two hands. I think they were children hands, too. So I'm guessing it was probably what's-his-face's kids or something. Ooh. Yeah, because (laughs) at the end of this film, when they come up out of the study of one of the goods... We don't know which one. You can see that one of them's backing out of the driveway and he gets hit by a garbage truck or a semi. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> something bad happened. Something to bad him. happened to a Sunny Valer. Uh, and they're like, what? Something bad? Like, yeah. the other people in their like polos and fancy shirts are standing outside. <sighs> um, I just looked this up because I wanted to know is R.L. Stein. Um, what's his connection to Stephen King? Yeah, and I guess they're they're contemporaries, of course. Right. right. Uh, and I guess there was a a magazine once that said, uh, "So here we go." When R.L. Stein finally met Stephen King, he told him, "You know, Steve, one magazine once called me a literary training bra for you." Steve replied, "Yes, I know." <laughs> <laughs> so there is, there's definitely, I don't, there must be. A camaraderie between the two? I don't know. I have no idea. But I mean, they are contemporaries, but they don't have the same audience, so they're not competitors. Sure. Yeah, from what I understand, Stephen King's the kind of guy that he gets along with pretty much everybody, except for Donald Trump. (laughs) Well, well, you will you will be happy to know though, because the book is grabbed at the end. Director Lay Janiak. I don't know how you pronounce that name. Already has plans for potential spinoffs from Netflix's horror series Fear Street, and the idea roaming around in that brain is that it could become an MCU-style universe. Interesting. I would watch more of these. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, me too. But this is something that can easily become shit. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like... You need to wait. You you release three of these really quickly. You need to come up with something well, good. Well, hold on. That's not necessarily mean they didn't take their time. 
No, I agree. But I'm just saying at this point, if this is what they're thinking, because they had such success with it, please don't just rush and do another one for Christmas. Please take right. your time and build well, what's the next world? curse going to be? Right. Or, or what's the next horror thing you're going to do? Is it going to be a trio of movies again? Like that's a lot to think about. And is it based on R.L. Stein books? Is so it... su- success can breed something good at Netflix because because Stranger Things was so successful, those creators had got the chance to say, "We're not doing this every year. We can't make good show every year. Good it's show. Good. We can't make it good." It'll be rushed. It'll be crap. We're going to take our time. So you're going to give us two or three years between seasons. And Netflix, because of the success of the show, was like, fine. Yeah, the struggle is the actors. But if well, it's they... going to be a whole new set of actors. But are they going to give these creators the time it takes to write something good before they go into production? Yeah, I really hope they do. I think with in this instance, I'm not sure they have much of a choice because... I don't know. I guess they could uh, be your typical exec idiot and be like, okay, rush it out. Get it done. Get it over. We need it out. The the only thing, the only question remains is something we'll never know, is what do those numbers for this this show actually look like? And Netflix does not release numbers. They'll just say it was good or it was bad. Yeah. I mean, if the if it's in the top three, you know, the three films are in the top ten. Then I think, but that does that got... doesn't really matter to Netflix. Are they? Is it drawing new subscribers? So like, yeah, they'll look at gotcha. when a Stranger Things when a new season drops, they'll look at how many people subscribe, and then the first thing they watch or the first couple things they watch maybe is Stranger Things. There's an algorithm they go by. Uh-huh. Because, like, there's dope-ass shows like the Santa Clarita Diet that get canceled. And you're like, what the fuck? And it's because new subscribers aren't watching the show. Mm-hmm. But I- shit on the millions of people who did. Right. I really think this is going to drive the closing of movie theaters and more movies being released to, you know, these... I don't oh, know. what do you call Netflix well, there you go. and Disney Plus? Would you go see this in the theater? Yeah, I would have. Hold on, but what if it was released three weeks in a row? Would you go see part one, part two, part three in the theater? Yeah, I probably would have. You know, maybe like five years ago. Not now, obviously. No, I, I mean right now. Like if they if they come out with Fear Street second chapter or whatever, and it's three movies, and they come out three weeks in a row, would you go to the movie and see it? I would not have, for sure. I wouldn't have seen this movie at all. It, no, no, no. I, I mean, the I would next not have stuff. gone to the theater. What if it comes oh, out next? The year? next ones. I might go see the next one in a theater. That would be interesting to see it on the big screen. Wait, would you um, go three weeks in a row to the movie theater though? No, no, it's too expensive. So, do you think that they're trying to drive that market no. back? Like, it would be a good way to do it, but. Because it's available, like on Disney Plus, Black Widow is available there. There's no way I'm going to go to the movie. $30. It doesn't matter. When I go to the movie theater, it takes my gas. I got to go there. Well, yeah. Well, we're a family of five. And it's so Right. $30 is a drop in the bucket compared to what we would actually pay if we go. However, yeah. someone's single. Yeah. Crystal and I uh, had to pay a little extra <laughs> than what we probably would have paid in the movie. So. so. Yeah. Interesting. 
Well, I, I don't know. It's, I guess... I really see, unfortunately, the death of the movie theater. Like, I have no desire to even go there anymore and sit. Well, coronavirus definitely, um, when it took the option off the table, and we started getting HBO releasing the movies to the TV, it definitely changed people's mindset. But still, if the movie is big, I would like to go see it on a big screen. It doesn't even matter to me anymore. Is that bad? Like... I want to. I definitely want to go see the next Marvel, big Marvel movie. Sorry, Black Widow, um, on the big screen. I don't see, and I don't have that desire anymore. Like the big screen does not mean what it used to mean anymore. Like I don't need to see something that big. They have done so much with film that I feel like I'm dropped into that environment, anyways. I'm not even thinking about, oh, I'm looking at it on a 52-inch screen. I don't even care. That doesn't even matter to me anymore. Yeah. I'm over the whole movie experience. It'd be interesting to know to see what happens, basically. I mean, uh, Black Widow made $60 million just from Disney+. Plus, So that's not too shabby. If you had a $60 million opening weekend for the theater, because that doesn't count what they made in the theater. Right. I mean, that's a decent opening weekend, $60 bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, I'm ready to rate. All right, let's rate Fear Street number three, 1666, then part two, 1994. Well, it's all the same movie. I, I'm going to go first. I think I went first uh, last time and sure. the time before. Um I have rekindled a little bit of my joy of horror movie, but I think it goes back to that whole statement you said with the training bra, <laughs> R.L. Stein is for Stephen King, because I'm not a big Stephen King movie fan. I never really was a horror fan, but the fact that it's kind of introducing it to me in little sections and little bits, I can handle this. I, I feel like you need training a, wheels for your horror bike. Yes. And I think most people do. They don't like to be immersed completely into horror. And I think that's why horror gets a bad name. So I am giving, you know, this last movie, I enjoyed it as much as the other two, of course. I'm going to give it uh, an 8.5. But overall, the series, I would give it a 10. I, it is something worth watching and reviewing. Like, okay. I just started watching it again. Who's next? Ladies first. So I really like that. Um, I kind of agree with uh, Shannon. I think the overall series was phenomenal. Um, I, I, I'm i not too big of a fan of horror films, probably for the opposite reason. They just they are pretty lame um, for the most part. However, uh, you know, like the scare factor is not, you know, it, it doesn't really take into account in this very much. Like, sure, there's some creepy parts. Uh, you know, obviously the, the killers are pretty creepy, but um, it's not that scary, right? Right. I, no. I mean, I'm not, re- I'm not scared by it at all, but I'm asking, like, doesn't seem that scary. Anyway. Um, well, Shannon, were you scared? Because that would be the judge. No. Okay. Like, my kids wanted to watch it, and we told them no, but then I sat down this morning, and we're all watching it together. Right. And I, I I mean, I kind of 
I have mixed feelings because on the one hand, like if I'm going to watch a horror film, then I want them to at least attempt to scare me. But on the other hand, I think they kind of built this story and uh, such that they they did it in a way that it's very enjoyable. Uh, the acting was really good, especially for a horror film. The soundtrack was off the charts awesome. Uh, you know, the storyline itself um, was great. It's very intricate. The plot twist, uh, you know, it didn't throw me too bad, but, you know, it got me got me to think whether or not what I suspected was true or not. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I think the... The movie itself, I'll get it a, give it an eight and a half, and I think the the series I would give like a nine point three three two five six eight. Okay. Boogie. So I'll go next. I would love to give this a a six point six six, just you know, because <laughs> that's fun. But it's way better than that, so I can't. Um, I concur with everything that both Matt and Shannon have said so far. It's really good, and I really enjoyed watching it. I'm going to give this movie an 8, which I think I gave the other two a 7. And I'm going to give the whole series overall a 9. All three movies coming together told a a really gripping story. And, And while it wasn't scary, it was definitely horror and it was a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, so that, I definitely recommend anybody watch it. I think that is the hallmark of this series beyond like, uh, is it scary? No, it's not scary. No. You know what it is? It's fucking entertaining. And it is. I'll take an entertaining movie over a critically acclaimed one any day because guess what? A lot of those critically acclaimed movies are boring as shit. And uh, sure, they have technically proficient aspects of filmmaking but you watch it once, you never watch it again, and I will be rewatching these movies. They're fun as shit. And <laughs> Angela, I'm going to get around your lack of fun and rating system, and I'm going to give this movie a 16.66. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> Got him. Uh, I, I really enjoyed the series. Overall, I give this series a nine. I, th- I think it's a lot of fun to watch. Get out there and watch. If you don't like horror, you're like, ew, no. Shannon doesn't like horror movies. Nope. And she really enjoyed watching it. So, yeah. Who else wants to see more of the killers? Because those, that, I think that was one of the neater parts is like the big giant dude with a weird mask and the little kid with a mask and the baseball bat. And it's like, it's just, it kind of reminded me if like 13 Ghosts had been done well. <laughs> sure. How dare you, sir? Stop it. You know he's right. Amazing. Um, yes. However, I hope they don't just, uh, re, I don't know if they're going to make more of these movies. I hope they just don't explore the ghosts from this movie. I hope they could do a completely different curse and just leave, leave those people as, cause all of those killers are essentially victims. Mm-hmm. And I think it's fun to leave it that way because it's not like, I don't view Ruby Lane or the the plague doctor or Tommy Slater as being um, interesting to see what happened. Cause we know what happened. They were victims of this fucking asshole family. Right. So they're the first victim in all of their killing sprees. And I don't want, I don't necessarily need to see more of that, but I would like to see some other dope ghost story. That would be fun. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I rated it. So, 
That's what we think, guys. You don't remember? I did my whole 16.66 thing. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I'm distracted. I really patted myself on the back for that one, too. Yeah, I forgot already. What do you guys think of Fear Street? Let us know. Find us over at Instagram at Movie Dummies Podcast. Let us know in the comments, because I'm sure Angela will post something for this, right? Yeah, of course. But I'm going to hit the button. There we go. We did it, guys. All three Fear Street movies. Um, We enjoyed ourselves. Hopefully you guys out there are enjoying them, too. We'll be back next week. Maybe we'll talk, do an episode about Black Widow, huh? Yeah. Since we love Marvel. Hopefully I've seen it by then. Um, But until then, guys, uh, remember Instagram at Movie Dummies Podcast. You can email us, moviedummies at gmail.com. And you can... That's about it, I guess. I guess we're on Facebook and Twitter, but not much gets done over there. (laughs) So thanks for listening, everybody. Come see us next time. See us? Listen to us next time as we talk about some cool shit. Mm. Mm. Shannon's just looking at me like I have two heads. I'm Shannon. Bye. Uh, Yeah. Okay, I'm Joe. (laughs) (laughs) I'm Angela. Uh, Matt. (laughs) And maybe the next time we meet, we'll have an A.A. Ron. We'll see. That's my knife. We miss you, A.A. (laughs) Ron. Absolutely. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.